from the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona, this is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Welcome to Outpost Outspoken. I'm your host for this segment, Anna Henderson. Joining us on the podcast today is Rob Fillinger. He's the performance team lead for YPG's Combat Automotive Systems. He's been with YPG since 2008. Thanks for being here, Rob. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Um, Now, Rob, can you talk a little bit about what led you to your career as a mechanical engineer? When I was a kid, I was always very intrigued on like how things worked so to speak. So I always wanted to take things apart and, you know, see the inner workings of those components. I was always interested in anything with an engine, really. Like I grew up spending a lot of time on the four-wheelers and quads and motorcycles, things of that nature. So I always wanted to, you know, make them faster or make them run better. But I I really think that's kind of like what's really sparked my interest in engineering and kind of like understanding how those things work. And then your hometown, you're from Michigan. So did you imagine yourself not working on combat vehicles, but working on Chryslers during your lifetime? Yeah, exactly. I grew up in the Motor City. Uh, the You know, the Detroit area is known as, the, as Motor City. Ironically, after I graduated college at, from Lawrence Technological University, I uh, worked at the Chrysler Tech Center in the science labs conducting emissions testing. So at one point in time, I was working for Chrysler Can you describe what led you to YPG? So again, I was working at the Chrysler Tech Center, uh, conducting emissions testing within the science labs there. And of course, you know, everyone knows about the, um, the Great Recession, right? The financial crisis from like 2007 through 2009. So I was in the auto industry prior to working for Chrysler uh, as an intern at TRW testing hydraulic control units, which is kind of like your ABS, your vehicle stability control and traction control. Uh, While I was working there, uh, I noticed a steady like decline on uh, labor. And then when I graduated college, the job market was kind of bad in the auto industry, but I was lucky enough to find that job working at Chrysler. In about three weeks uh, into my tenure at Chrysler, uh, they announced a mass layoff. Ultimately, I ended up getting uh, let go from Chrysler. Luckily, I found YPG. How has um, your career here at YPG evolved? Because right now you're the team lead, but I assume you came in maybe as a test officer? I started with EC3 back in 2008. Started on some like smaller projects, not necessarily something that we would see here nowadays where you know, we're focusing on these major CFT efforts large, you know, large scale uh, tests. I started on a small component level test on a Humvee, kind of graduated up to bigger and better things beyond that. I uh, started working on um, heavy, heavy tactical vehicles thereafter, and then um, started working on the MRAP program, uh, conducted several different tests for MRAP. Let's talk about your current job. So what do you do now? What does your team do now? And how does that all work into the Army's goal of modernization? I'm the performance lead. So um, I have a team of two other test engineers that work underneath me. A lot of our focus is working with the various teams within the Combat and Automotive Systems Division. Our primary focus is to support the CFT efforts. We work with some of the Bradley tests. We work with Abrams' team. We, We also... Uh, spend a lot of time uh, trying to modernize 
some of our capabilities. So we do work with TID, uh, the instrumentation division, um, trying to acquire you know, new capabilities, new instrumentation to support the, the CFT and modernization effort. Speaking of supporting the CFTs, which are the cross-functional teams, can you tell me about your role in Project Convergence? So I was a site lead for Project Convergence under GVSC. Our main hub that we operated out of was uh, the Countermines facility where we hosted eight different uh, technologies. So I, I ran a team of four other test officers. Basically what we supported was uh, AFC's effort for the um, technology demonstration for PC21. So whatever role, you know, widget A was doing, you know, we had a test officer, maybe a couple test officers supporting the movement of those vehicles and um, whatever demonstration efforts that we were doing with, with, with widget A and same with widget B and so on and so forth. Uh, when you're not working on a special project like Project Convergence, you're working with ground combat vehicles of various sizes. Yeah, so um, one of the most recent efforts that we're working on right now is the infantry squad vehicle. So if any of our listeners are privy to that subject, um, they'll know that when the ISV went through an IOT&E effort, there was a lot of headlines kind of discussing some of the issues with that vehicle, and I'm not gonna go into those details. However, um, we're, we're doing some investigative work and studies into some of the, some of the um, feedback that, that was given from the soldiers during that event, and we're trying to kind of narrow down the cause of, of those issues and provide that feedback to the program office so that they can better improve that platform for future use. And that vehicle, weighs in the realm of around 9,000 pounds. That's probably like one of the smallest vehicles that I've ever supported here at YPG for testing. I've tested probably one of our largest vehicle combinations, which is the heavy equipment transport, the M1000 trailer combo that houses the Abrams M1 uh, main battle tank. And that combination, when it's fully loaded, weighs in the realm of a quarter of a million pounds. When you sit back and think of what you do, do you ever think of the soldiers that you are keeping safe because the testing that you do directly affects, you know, what they're doing out there on the battlefield or wherever they are using that equipment? Oh, absolutely. I know from time to time I get complacent. Sometimes, you know, your job can get stressful. You just need to sit back, take a breath and understand that it's really meaningful, the things that we do here, because ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to make uh, better vehicle platforms that are safer, safer and more effective for our soldiers out in the battlefield. Thank you for your time. It's always great to hear from our workforce and thank you for the work you do for us. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate being here. Hello, I'm Mark Schauer. Some people run marathons, but for Ryan Ingham, electronic technician with YPG's meteorology team, marathon is what happens between aid stations. We spoke with the Marine Corps veteran about his passion for endurance running and why he pushes himself to the limit. Hey Ryan, thanks for being here today. Ultra marathoning, how did you ever get involved with that? That was a snowball effect. I was uh, getting out of shape, trying to get back into shape, finding something to motivate that, and I got into obstacle course racing, Spartan racing, 
Tough Mudder, that sort of deal. And that over the years snowballed into bigger, longer, harder events. I started doing 24-hour obstacle course races. And then that snowballed into ultra running. So the long one, the really, really long one you did was the Cocodona 250? Yes, last year was the inaugural year of it. Cocodona 250 was 258 miles. It started in Black Canyon City, just north of Anthem. It ran across the Bradshaw Mountains into Prescott, across Prescott Valley, over Jerome, down into Sedona, and then up to Flagstaff. You managed that in 112 hours, if I remember right. Yeah, 112 hours. So how in the world did you manage 258 miles in 112 hours? I have no idea. <laughs> I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was basically a, a four and a half day plane crash. Sleep deprived, I got heat exhaustion a couple times. Uh, I think I slept a total of eight hours for the duration of the event. Really, it was just, it was a big blur. Now, if I remember right, you said at one point, you're walking along and you saw some of your buddies from the Marine Corps and it occurred to you, oh, this, I'm hallucinating this. There's nobody actually yes, here, right? Yes, okay, so sleep deprivation is a common thing, especially in 200 milers. But I was, I was running along one night and just cruising along at a good pace. And hey, there's, there's my buddy. He came out to pace me and I started chatting with him. And then there was another one. We started chatting there and I had a conversation for probably a good two and a half, three miles before I just, boom, I realized, hey, there, there's nobody here. That for ultra running is, is actually pretty common. And those longer events. And we have to emphasize the terrain that you were going through was totally unimproved terrain, right? You're going up and down mountains. And... Yes, it was up and over mountain ranges, a lot of single track trail. Some of these trails are very, very remote. So they're overgrown, they're rocky. It's hard to even find the trail at times. You lose the trail markers, you get lost, you get turned around. So there's a lot of uh, navigation that has to go into them too. Like, and you have to have a certain amount of heart knowing that if something went terribly wrong, it would be very difficult for anybody to come in and extract right. you. Right, yeah. On the, the longer ones, they actually put a GPS tracker on us so we could hit the SOS button. But hitting that, depending on where you're at, it could still be three hours plus before someone gets to you. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, self-extraction involved and, and knowing how to get out of areas and take care of yourself. Now you've done some, some other stuff that requires endurance, but maybe not that much endurance. Like you've climbed Mount Whitney, I know. I climbed Mount, Mount Whitney a few times, climbed a few other peaks, I've ran a handful of 100 milers. Yeah, the 250 miler was the biggest wow. by far. So what's next for a man that's done a 258 mile, 112 hour <laughs> ultra marathon? Right now I have some 50 milers and 100 milers lined up for early summer and nothing else yet. There's talks of a new 200 miler coming up in Arizona, possibly around the Tucson area going over Mount Lemon. So I'm keeping my eye on that and see if that pops up. What motivates you to do this? What's, you're not doing it for fame and fortune, I don't think. <laughs> no, definitely not. It's the challenge of it. The pushing yourself, getting outside of that comfort zone, no one really knows what their limit is until you get to that farther end of it and start pushing it and find out what you're really made of. I see you work for the meteorology team here at YPG these days. Correct. And I know you've done a lot of work with some of our wildlife waters. You created an apparatus to measure the water in the tanks, right? Correct. We have a water pressure transducer, which is similar equipment to what they use on the wash monitor stations they have across the range. But with that, you could actually use the pressure and come up with a calculation to figure the depth of the tank. 
So for game and fish, that works out well for measuring their wildlife drinkers, especially in the remote areas. Some of those drinkers take them pretty much all day to get to. Um, some areas are hard to get to, especially working around range activity. So this gives us a chance to just monitor it real time right back here at the office. Hey Ryan, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the Army's busiest test center.